listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome to episode number 211, Chicago Style Wrestling Delivered the Goods with Hearts on Fire with Lots of Twists and Turns. Squared Circle Megastars crowned some new champions. We also have highlights from Rockford Damage Inc. and ICW Milwaukee. And we'll preview this weekend's action including AAW Legacy, Black Label Pro, and WWE Elimination Chamber. And we welcome for the first time someone who has worked for almost every promotion in Wisconsin, the owner of Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment, someone you can see at SSW's Horsepower 2 in Kenosha on March the 8th against Vic Capri, Veteran Midwest wrestler and Ohio Valley wrestling star, the 80s baby, TW3. You can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. It's your boy, FTC, Frank the Clown here. And you are listening or doing something with your ears to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Frank the Clown's been a guest a couple of times. Will I be a guest again? Oh, I don't know. Get the check ready, Mike. (laughs) Attention! Windy City Slam is looking for a few good tag team partners to advertise on Windy City Slam Podcast and WindyCitySlam.com. Get your product or service notice with pro wrestling fans. Affordable rates that fit your budget. Message us on Facebook, X, or Instagram, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Hey, this is Trevor Outlaw, but you bozos can address me as you are as rudely. And you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. And you can check it out every Tuesday. Oh, wait, I've been on this like five times. I should know this by now. Either way, not getting paid enough for this. Windy City Slam podcast. Check it out on Tuesdays. And you never know when Trevor Outlaw is going to be back. Back here on Windy City Slam podcast. Let's get right into the action, and coming up, Saturday, February the 24th, WWE presents Elimination Chamber in Perth, Australia, and that will air at 4 a.m. Chicago time. Catch it on Peacock or internationally on the WWE Network, and on this show we have the Men's Elimination Chamber for a World Heavyweight Championship match against Seth freaking Rollins at WrestleMania 40. We have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton versus Bobby Lashley versus L.A. Knight, versus Kevin Owens, versus Logan Paul. I'm thinking Drew McIntyre comes out with the victory here, setting up a showdown with Seth freaking Rollins. And then a women's chamber match for a women's world championship match at WrestleMania 40. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, versus Liv Morgan, versus Tiffany Stratton, versus Naomi, and versus the winner of the Battle Royal from this week's Raw, which was taking place as I was recording, so I don't know who won that match as of yet, but I don't even need to know who won that match. I'm thinking Becky Lynch will be the chamber winner, and she will take on Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, and I believe it will be Rhea Ripley as well, 
because she is defending that Women's World Championship in her home country against Nia Jax. I think Rhea retains that title, handing Nia a rare loss since she's returned to WWE. And for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship, this could be the sleeper match of the night as the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Damian Priest defend against the newly named New Catch Republic of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. And also on the show, we'll have a Grayson Waller effect with Seth freaking Rollins and Cody Rhodes. That ought to be very, very interesting to see what happens with that. Moving on to local action, this past Friday night, February the 16th, Chicago-style wrestling presented Hearts on Fire at the American Legion in Franklin Park. And here are the results. With a little bit of assistance, courtesy Sean Lennon of PWE Report. Plus, I also was able to catch most of the show on IWTV.live as it dropped on Monday. And on the pre-show, we had FXB and Chris Miller defeating Jack Veller and Lilila Pescadita. And on the other pre-show match, the Futures Battle Royal, the winner was Eddie Grayson. I remember him just from a few years ago as a fan going to shows, and actually he won a contest, I believe, to go to All Hugh Wrestling a couple of years ago that we had here through Windy City Slam. He wins that Futures Battle Royal, last eliminating friend of the show, Jordan Cross. On the main show, we had the CSW Metro Division Championship as Inestra defeats Adam Stallion to retain the title with an ankle lock submission. Scramble match, and here is a shocker of the night, Amina Belmont defeats... Solomon Tupu, Cypher, Lizardman, Nathan Nile, and Doom Montgomery as Belmont pins now with a springboard slice bread type maneuver. And then we had Joey Mayberry's In the Closet talk show. Joey Mayberry, along with Jillian in the ring, they bring out the brass. And Joey browbeats TJ Steele. He hates TJ for Doom Montgomery kidnapping Jillian and doing nothing about it. He hates Eric Schultz for cosplaying as a lawyer. He tells Jax Johnson that no one wants to Jax his Johnson and calls the Ryan Matthews Jim Carrey and that everyone around here prefers he wear a mask. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Then the brass attacks Mayberry and Steele takes a hammer out of Schultz's briefcase and threatens to break Mayberry's hand before the cavalry of Moondog, Murray, and Marche Rocket come out for the save, which leads into the advertised six-man tag where Marche Rocket, Joey Mayberry, and Moondog Murray defeat Team Sexy of Jax Johnson and Ryan Matthews and Eric Schultz when Rocket hits the M80 on Schultz and Moondog gets the pin. CSW Tag Team Championship Joey Jet Avalon and Ciara retain the title over GPA and Craig Mitchell, who was subbing for Laney, when Avalon pins Mitchell following a Claymore-style kick to retain the titles. And Lainey was injured last week when Avalon powerbombed her off a stage at Freelance Wrestling. That was insane. And then Lainey ended up suffering an injured elbow, was there, but not cleared to compete. So Craig Mitchell was the mystery partner there. And after the match, GPA attacked both Avalon and Sierra. Mitchell held down Sierra when GPA attacked Avalon with a chair and pilmonized his left arm. And then big mood, Mattel Valentine and Jack Moody came out to chase away GPA, Laney, and Mitchell. And as Mattel Valentine was helping Avalon to his feet, he DDT'd him, and then Moody struck Sierra as big mood turns heel. Wow. Number one contender for the CSW Championship 
Warhorse, the leader of the Hate Keepers, defeats Axel Rico via technical submission with a Cobra Clutch, which now means Warhorse is the top contender for Conan Lycan CSW Championship. And in a tag team that we thought we'd never see, Heather Reckless and Sky Blue defeat Missa Kate and Maggie Lee as Sky pinned Maggie Lee after an avalanche code blue after Reckless spit in her face. It appeared that Missa and Maggie were on the verge of victory after Maggie hit a moonsault on Reckless, but Iniestra came out to stop ref Kevin Woods' count and drew Missa Kate away from the ring. And there's more to that as well as Lilia La Pescadita actually outed her boyfriend Iniestra as the attacker on Missa Kate a couple months ago, and there's been a little bit of a um, kind of battle there. So it'll be interesting to see how that builds up, and maybe Missa Kate gets a future shot at that Metro Division Championship, which would be awesome. Triple threat number one contender match for the CSW Metro Division Championship. Rafael Quintero defeats Gringo Loco and Shane Hollister as Quintero pins Hollister after a frog splash. For the CSW Women's Championship, Shelly the Bombshell Benson pins Mila Monroe after an unprettier. As Shelly was trying to leave, Amina Belmont attacks her and laid claim to a future CSW Women's Championship match. And in the main event, which ended up being turned into a no-disqualification tag team match, CSW Champion Conan Lycan and Superstar Steve Boz defeat the hate keepers of Shane Boucher and Jay Marston after Lycan pinned Boucher after a 450 splash. The match started out one-on-two with Lycan against the hate keepers, but a couple minutes into the match, Boz, who was attacked earlier in the evening before the show, came out, and then TJ Steele walked through the curtain, and then after Warhorse whispered something in Steele's ear, Steele changed the stipulation to a no-disqualification match. And great CSW show once again, now available on IWTV. Terrific stuff right there. They are back in March with Hornswoggle as a special guest. Friday, February the 16th, ICW Milwaukee presented It's Always Insanity in West Allis at The Bar in West Allis. Results in recap courtesy of High Five Tom of Midwestern Wrestling Roundup. The Great Outdoors, the Yeti and Oso Turco with Ref Dan Perch defeat Deadpool of Sean Priest and Gunnar Wicks. And Tom mentions Perch because in the beginning of the match, Perch tagged in to face the much bigger Gunnar Wicks, but soon thought better of it. And it's just one of those R-Truth type comedy spots that Ref Perch actually does really well in freelance and in other places. So I thought that was kind of funny. In the end, Yeti hits a sidewalk slam on Gunnar Wicks for the pin. In a showcase of the two best high flyers in ICW, Big Steppa, Armando Alvarez, pinned the debuting Jack Sirius after a vicious foot stomp. Then we had Ford Feldman taking on Tyler Baggins in a dance contest. And when it became apparent that Ford couldn't touch Baggins in dancing, he attacked him and the match was on. Ford Feldman pinned Tyler Baggins after some interference from Ethan Matthews and a fanny pack. ICW World Championship in a match between two of the best in the Midwest, according to High Five Tom, the Spectre, Jaden Mercer, retains the title, pitting the outlaw, Zach Hendricks. An elbow injury to Hendricks and then Mercer's ensuing damage to said elbow led to a roll-up on Hendricks. Baxter Belafonte pinned Raven Raddix after a neckbreaker. 
Radix beat Belafonte pillar to post for most of the match, but Baxter misted Raven with White Claw, leading to the match ceiling neckbreaker. A six-man tag grudge match we had Dysfunction, Yanni GQ and the Apex Athlete, CJ Cole, defeat the trio of Marman, Jared Jacks, and Jason Dukes when Cole was able to isolate Dukes in the ring and hit a DDT off the top rope for the pin on Dukes. Four-man elimination match, we had demented Chucky Bates coming out on top over Marvelous Ethan Matthews, Tyler Sullivan, and Mo Foley. Matthews first eliminated Foley. After that, Armando Alvarez came in behind the ref's back and kicked Sullivan in the head, leading to Matthews pinning Sullivan. And then Bates took a beating before rallying and hitting Chucky's edge on Matthews to win the match. ICW Alternative Championship in the main event, short and sweet Bobby V pins Tommy Trainwreck to win the title in an anything goes match that included skewers, staples, and chairs laced with thumbtacks. In the end, after a brutal and bloody battle, Bobby nailed an amazing second rope slice bread through a pane of glass. Bobby gets the pin to become the new ICW Alternative Champion, much to the chagrin of the ICW faithful. Also this past Saturday night, February the 17th, Squared Circle Megastars presented Saturday Night Fever at the Berwyn Eagles Club. And just some highlights from the show, we have three new champions, including Prince Ahmed, who defeated Elite Warrior Da Cobra to win the SCM Heavyweight Championship. Also, the Trust Fund Kid Blake Banks is your new SCM Mega Champion, and Sebastian Cage is the new SCM Shooting Star Champion. Congratulations to all three. And then Rockford Damage on Saturday night presented St. Valentine's Hearts of Fire at the Teamster Hall in Rockford. Results courtesy of Rockford Damage Inc. on Facebook. During the pre-show, King Trell and Sam Eli defeated Charlie Adams and Zero. On the main show, Eddie Grayson and Jack Valor knock off FXB and the storyteller Eldridge. Chris Miller then comes out, tells the crowd that his partner Cody James has quit on him and that he would take on the Brothers of Funstruction by himself for the Rockford Damage Tag Team Championships. Owner Stevie comes into the ring and tells Chris that if he doesn't find a partner, that he would be stripped of the belts. Steve Boz comes out and tells Chris that due to his match with Tom Latimer later in the evening, that he couldn't be his partner. Then Jay Cross appears, and he and Boz both sneak up behind the Brothers of Funstruction and attack them to make it a three-on-two. Tom Latimer then came out to make it even. And that sets up a Jay Cross and Chris Miller versus Brothers of Unstruction match for the Rockford Damage Inc. Tag Team Championships in the main event. Number one contenders match for the regional championship triple threat, Mario Pardua defeats Michael Morris and Gonzo. Axel Rico defeats Lee Metallic. B.O.W. and Moondog Murray went to a no contest. And then Joy Mayberry with Jillian came out and attacked B.O.W. Then Tommy Heisman came out to even the odds, attacking Joy Mayberry. And then Commissioner Bobcat makes the decision to have a tag team match between Tom Heisman and B.O.W. versus Mood Dog Murray and Joy Mayberry, where Heisman and B.O.W. pick up the victory. Aaron Xavier comes out and tells the fans that Vic Capri came down with COVID and that's why he didn't show up to the show. But you will see him at the next show on June the 8th for the Damage Incorporated Championship. And then Xavier challenged anyone in the back. 
which led to Aaron Xavier with Angel defeating Adam Stallion. Tom Latimer defeats the evil B.O.Z. That's, of course, is Steve Boz. And in the main event for the damaging tag team championship, the brothers of Funstruction, Ruffo and Yabo, defeat Chris Miller and Jay Cross to become the new damaging tag team champions. After the match, Chris Miller takes out Jay Cross and the brothers of Funstruction come to the aid of Cross. This sets up a match on June the 8th between Chris Miller and Jay Cross. Coming up this weekend, Friday night, February the 23rd, AAW Pro presents Legacy, the 20th anniversary event at the Berwyn Eagles Club in Berwyn. 7.30 main card start, 6.45 for the live taping. And as you've probably seen over social media on AAW Pro social accounts over the past number of weeks, lots of great memories and pictures and stuff like that. You got Seth Rollins, a.k.a. Tyler Black and Marek Brave, Eddie Kingston, Kevin Steen, all kinds of great talent coming in and out of AAW Pro, making it one of the premier companies in the Midwest as well as the Chicagoland area. And it all culminates with Legacy this Friday night with matches consisting of the number one contender Fatal 4-Way match, Big Beef Gnarls Garvin versus Mike Bennett versus Joey Jet Avalon versus Shane Hollister. And the winner of that match will take on AAW champion Davey Vega later in the evening for the title. And then with the AAW Women's Championship, Sierra defends against AEW's own Queen Aminata. AAW Heritage Championship, Levi Everett defends against Joe Alonzo with Chuck Smooth. Robert Ego Anthony faces Gary J in a battle of veterans. And then in tag team action, we have Matt Fitchett and Ren Jones taking on the duo of Hartenbauer and Xavier Walker with Sean Logan lurking in the corner. And in another tag team affair, we have Heather Reckless and Maggie Lee against Shaza McKenzie and Missa Kate. And also appearing at Legacy, we have Jimmy Jacobs, Koa Laksamana, Callies, and Anthony Katina. Saturday, February the 24th, Black Label Pro presents In Defense of the Genre at Berwyn Eagles Club, a 3 p.m. matinee. We have for the Black Label Pro Championship, Kevin Koo defending against Joshua Bishop, Rachel Armstrong versus Sky Blue, Black Label Pro Tag Team Championship in a four-way match as Bang and Matthews defend against Highlight Reel, Gaston LaRue and Percy Drews, and Latinos Most Wanted, that's Saban Gage and Coder Hernandez. For the Black Label Pro Midwest Championship, Matt Makowski defends against Eli Isom. And then we have a featured match with Levi Everett taking on Joey Janela. Rico Gonzalez faces Alex Zane. Former NXT UK superstar Aaliyah James takes on Heather Reckless. Trey Lamar faces Dex Royal. Young Jay Lee takes on Kennedy Copeland, and in tag team action, Hayden Backlund and yours rudely Trevor Outlaw face Twist and Flip. Also this coming Saturday night, February the 24th, Janesville Wrestling Alliance is having a show up in Janesville at the Craig Center. Also Saturday, February the 24th, Southland Championship Wrestling presents Love and War at the Shabbat Civic Center in Shabbat's, and north of the border, GLCW presents Beauties and the Beasts at Circle B Recreation in Cedarburg and Sunday Matinee, the first show of the year for Ileana Pro Wrestling at the VFW in Richton Park. 
All right, coming up next, the special guest we welcome for the first time, the 80s baby, T.W. 3. Stay tuned. My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad South in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast this week. And we welcome us extra special guest for the very first time. Someone who has worked for almost every promotion in Wisconsin. He's the owner of Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment. And something I did not know until just minutes before I started recording. The nephew of baseball legend Kirby Puckett. He's veteran Midwest wrestler and Ohio Valley wrestling star. The 80s, baby. TW3. T-Dub, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So glad to finally get you on the show. Absolutely, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so you're a pretty busy guy. And after 16 to 17 years in the wrestling business, you're branching out in multiple ways. So tell me a little bit about Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment and the Dojo of Pain and how it came to be. Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment uh, basically is a rebrand, but not a rebrand. So the owner of NWA Wisconsin used to be Jason Jerry, obviously. Uh, Jason Jerry sold it to a few people. It ended up in the hands of a guy named James Simmons, who started, or who it was WPW then, which is Wisconsin Professional Wrestling. Okay. Um, it was booking the matches. And I kind of just noticed the trend that nothing was changing in like our audience and like different sales and things like that. And I've always wanted to be a person who owned or ran a wrestling company and I have business management degree, you know, in college. And so I thought, Hey, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say, James, let me buy this thing from you. And uh, I could kind of see that he just wasn't in it anymore. And he didn't have that passion that like we have for wrestling itself and the passion that I had for booking. And uh, so I just threw the question out there and threw a number out there and we settled on a number and, I had the last WPW show and then I took some time off and I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that hybrid was going to be something different and, and it wasn't going to be a, a, a just a rebrand. It was going to be something different. And I launched hybrid. We sold out twice over for the first event and things have just been going since, man. People jumping on to be sponsors and things like that. But in that time, I'd also been talking to Shane Hills, who was the owner of the Dojo of Pain, who was my trainer. And Shane just didn't really want to be 
a trainer anymore. He, you know, he's done the things he's done. And his words to me, there's not enough big guys anymore that I can train. And he's nothing against the little guys, you know what I mean? But he's been successful training a lot of us. So we talked, he threw out a number. And the next thing you know, I was the owner of the Dojo of Pain. But what we did is I told him that he could keep the of pain part of it too. And I decided just to call it the Hybrid Wrestling Dojo and in association with the Dojo of Pain so that Shane's still getting, you know, that credit as well. And Shane actually trains for me. You know, he does come in and train, but it's not as often as he would have to if he still owned the school himself. So, yeah, man, I've been busy. Uh, I'm constantly driving back or flying back and forth from Louisville, Kentucky to Green Bay to do business things, meet with people, get sponsors, sell tickets, to do all that stuff. I'm just a very busy person, but like I like to be busy. Being busy is what I want. I, when I'm not busy, that's when there's a problem. So, And you just mentioned being busy and dealing with sponsors and putting together shows too. So what's it like to kind of be in the promoter's hat now doing these shows? Let me tell you, man, one of the first shows I ran I found out what some promoters, you know, find out early on is if you don't book certain people, you're going to have certain issues. And I had some issues and it wasn't necessarily because I didn't book them, but it was because we're friends and um, there were several people that I didn't book and they are my friends. But the thing is, this is a business. Wrestling is a business. And I realized that a long time ago when I started branding myself. When I revamped myself from the dread, uh, the Dreadlock Dynamo to the 80s baby, it was a rebrand that I needed and uh, that I was glad that I did. And everything since then, I branded myself on that. And, and that's what wrestling is because it's, it's a business. So you are a business. Well, if I own a business, I have to do what's best for the business. So Instead of booking a bunch of my friends, I booked a bunch of Ohio Valley wrestling people. Why? They're seen weekly on TV. People are going to know them in a wrestling community, who they are. And then I went around and then I did book certain people who are my friends, but at the same time, they're big on the indie scene, like the Avalons, the Sierras. You know, I went the route that any promoter would normally go when it comes to making money. And I think I did a damn good job at it. So we're in a promoter's hat. Every now and then it gets hard because I'm getting those those messages where they're like, hey, you know, you you know, we're supposed to be cool. What's up? I'm not on the card. I didn't hear from you. And it's I got to be honest with them. Like, hey, this is a business. Like if I didn't book you, it's nothing personal. It's a business. And I have to do what I know the fans want to, to see. If fans are coming to me saying, hey, we would love to see this person. We would love to see this person. We want to see more people from not Wisconsin. Cool. Then I turn to the people that I've worked on the road and say, hey, you want to come to Wisconsin and work for me? I think you'd be a great fit in my product. I have different things going on. It's not like a regular wrestling company because, and that's and, and that's it too. Hybrid isn't because hybrid has divisions. Like for instance, the Legends division. Now, are all those Legends in the Legends divisions only going to work each other? No, they'll wrestle with other people. But right now that's focused on them wrestling each other because that's what I'm building right now. I have the cruiserweight and high fly division. You know, I have my strong style division. I've got my heavyweight division. I've got my trios division. I'm not doing tag team division because everybody does that in Wisconsin. No one's doing a trios. And I'm sure by the time this comes out, everybody that is a promoter in Wisconsin is going to try to start doing the trios. But I've got belts already made. So 
We'll see who does it first. Uh, but back to being a promoter, man, it's a headache. It's a headache and a half, but it's a headache that I welcome because this is really what I want to be doing. I want to have something set back for myself for when I can't be in the ring anymore. I mean, that's really cool. You know, there's like quite the diversity in terms of the styles and the divisions that you have over at Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment. And yeah. to touch back on the Dojo of Pain, the Hybrid Dojo, it's just a who's who of legendary Wisconsin independent workers that are trainers there, including yourself, Shane Hills, who you mentioned, Backwoods Brown, Jay De Niro, yeah. just a who's who. Amazing people. Mike Mercury, the, the, the person responsible for wrestling in that area to begin with. Absolutely. So in 2022, you got an opportunity to start working regularly for Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is owned by wrestling legend Al Snow. And obviously there's been some partners that have added on ever since. So mm -hmm. what led you to doing Ohio Valley Wrestling? What has it been like to work there? COVID happened. Needed a rebrand, needed to make sure my body was right. And all you really could do was eat and work out. And that's what I did. I ate and I worked out all the time. And I started seeing results, finally. And so I reached out to Dave Hero from Great Lakes Championship Wrestling, who's, you know, really good friends with Al. And I said, hey, I think I want to go down to OVW now. I want, I want to try this out. And Dave encouraged me to do it because he said my body was looking great. Like, I wasn't as small as I was anymore. I was gaining mass, getting more cut. I would be what they would say, I would be TV, you know, you could look like a TV star um, because you don't look like a skinny little kid anymore. And so I talked to Dave and the, honestly, the rest is history. I went down here. I came down here, I should say. I had a dark match or two. And then the next thing I knew, I was doing TV. And then I was on my first pay-per-view within the first month, you know what I mean, of like doing the TV stuff. And I just, everything clicked and it has clicked every day since I've been here. Al Snow, Doug Basham, they're some of the best teachers in the world when it comes to this sport. As long as you listen to them, you'll go far. And I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Look at everything I've been doing on TV since. Man, it's been great to be here, and I love it, especially as old as I am, to still get this opportunity to perform every week on a live TV broadcast, you know, because there's not a lot of those if it's not WWE, it's not AEW. We're the only other live TV broadcast. Everybody else is, you know, recorded. So, man, I I made the decision. I'm glad I made the decision, and I love every bit of it. I love being here. Many people know about the Wrestlers docuseries on Netflix, and you even got to make some cameos in the series. So what was the experience like knowing all the extra attention the company was getting? Uh, the experience was nerve wracking, right? Because you never knew when they were recording and you didn't know what they were going to re like record and actually put in the series. Mm -hmm. I'm glad my little cameos were just me in, in, in meetings. You know what I mean? Cause we, I remember them like shooting some things where we were all having conversations and may not necessarily have been some things we wanted to come out, you know, uh, in public, but they wanted us to have real life conversations and that's what we were doing. It was nerve-wracking, though. They were following us around, you know, sign waivers, all that stuff, NDAs, you know. But it was fun, too, at the same time, because you knew you were being a part of something unique and special. Wrestlers is unique and special because it hasn't been done. I know they did the Monster Factory thing, but this was different. This was really capturing, like, real people's lives and what they really go through to, to be where we are right now. So it was nerve-wracking, but at the same time, uh, it was very special, and it was uh, an exciting time.
Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio was a lead investor and headed up the group that purchased the majority interest in OVW. And mm-hmm. on the wrestlers, Matt seemed to have a lot of ideas to try to make the company more profitable. So what was your experience been like with Matt? Obviously, me coming in, I didn't really know Matt very, very well. And so because I wasn't one of those top guys, I didn't really have a lot of interactions with him at first. Uh, but I think over the time that I've been at OVW, uh, he's opened up to me a lot more. Uh, he speaks to me a lot more. We've had more conversations. But coming in there, it was kind of like just, hi, Matt, bye, Matt, you know, respectful things like that. But it's changed now, and I'm okay with that. And I know he really came up as the villain. But, like, and, and you know, that everybody has to have that in, in any type of, like, docuseries or anything like that. But I think he was just a misinformed person who really just didn't know what he was getting himself into as a company. And, but I think he's done a good job as far as his marketing and everything else goes. And now the partners that we have as well, they're doing everything that they possibly can with, you know, Al and everybody else to get things done. We got a tour coming up that's going to be great. And it's all because of all of their work together. And there was some recent big news that came out. So Mickey James was hired as a creative director, head of female talent, and executive producer for OVW. So what's it like working with her now? So I haven't personally gotten to work with Mickey one-on-one, but I have seen the work she's been doing with everybody else she's been working with, like especially our women's division. And I think it's great. I think that they've been able to turn things up to a 10. I think that her guidance is going to help them all in the long run. She's a very nice individual. Speak to her every time I'm there, you know, hello and goodbye. And I have talked to her and asked her to watch some matches and things like that. I'm definitely going to get my one-on-one time in with her. I just haven't had the time to do it because, as you know, I'm very busy. So if I'm not in the ring training on Mondays with Doug, I'm doing something else that has to do with wrestling, whether it's for OVW or it's for my own company. So, but she's been great. Like, Mickey's amazing. (laughs) I'm going to show you this thing here. Somehow she got a hold of something at the place next door to us. And there were these pallets of these things called booty gnomes. And uh, because of Mickey now, there's a pallet of booty gnomes <laughs> at Davis Arena that we've all been taking because she said to take, you know, whatever we wanted. <laughs> and uh, but she's great. She's funny. She's uh, she's fun to be around. So, yeah, Mickey's great. So let's rewind. Let's rewind quite a bit to the early days of TW3 as a as a youth. You were born in Chicago and kind of shuttled around between like the Chicago area and the Milwaukee area for several years before you guys finally settled in on Kenosha when you're like seven years old or so. So what was your experience in Chicago? Do you remember anything? So being in Chicago is very vague because I was so young, but I remember gunshots all the time. (laughs) I remember police sirens, things like that. I remember being more in a predominantly African-American environment, you know, it wasn't as diverse as it is in places like Kenosha or in Green Bay or in Louisville. It was more uh, African-American dominated in the area that we lived in. But that's pretty much what I remember of Chicago. There's not a lot because I was so young. And again, with my father being a truck driver, that's the life we lived. You know, we had to go from wherever his job was, place to place. I mean, it's honestly like being an independent wrestler. You go place to place, and sometimes you don't know where you're going to land. But we landed in Kenosha, which was one of the best things I think could have ever happened to any of us uh, because Kenosha was great, and Kenosha was welcoming, and 
Kenosha is where I got to cut my teeth in a lot of things. So, and I've got to ask, and I just found out about this, like I said before the show, your uncle was baseball legend Kirby Puckett. So, what was it like to kind of watch his career and kind of just be part of the family? I was all it was great, man. I actually got to travel a lot when I was a child with Kirby to different ballparks and things like that. Go to Minnesota a lot and be at the Metrodome and watch him play ball because that was kind of like the summer thing when I was younger. Kirby was probably like, Kirby was my best friend. Like he was an adult and he was my uncle, but he was my best friend. I found wrestling because of Kirby. It was great, man, just to watch him do his thing. And just as I kept growing and I got to see it as I was getting into like my teen years and things like that, like watch my uncle play ball. He loved baseball. Like he loved it. And it was a passion of his. And that's kind of what happened with me with wrestling. When I started watching wrestling, it became a passion. And that's why I'm so passionate about it now as a wrestler, because it's just something I love. And I don't think I'll ever be able to give up. But when I am ready to give it up, I'll know that I put all of my all into it and I'd left nothing else you know, on the table. And that's what Kirby did with baseball. Like, I feel like his story, you know, got cut a little short and that's something, you know, We'll never, ever get to see. But at the same time, I still think while he was playing, he always left it all on the field. Now, where were you during the 1991 World Series Game 6 when Kirby hits that game-winning home run to force Game 7? Sitting right at the Metrodome with my family. Nice. Yeah, and it was great because he caught the ball that kept the game going, and then he hit the home run, and you can hear – what was his name? I can't remember the the the, the announcer, but you can. We will, yeah, we will see you tomorrow night. And it was yeah. just, it was so great. Like it was so loud in there. All the Homer hankies. It was amazing. So probably one of our, our proudest moments as a family because I mean it was all on Kirby's shoulders and he did it. So that is an awesome moment that obviously you will never forget to be in the stadium when something like that actually happened. Yeah. Awesome. Getting into wrestling. Now, he kind of got you into the fandom, right? As you were saying, like, uh, was there a specific moment where it just clicked in your head? Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, it was Clash of the Champions, Ric Flair versus Sting. I I love the glitz, the glamour. I love Sting's face paint. I love Rick's freaking robes. I was like, I love this. Like, I want to do this. Like, and I was always small. I mean, I didn't even really grow until like my sophomore year of college to be 6'1 now. I was like five foot, like nothing growing up. And so five foot, nothing, a skinny black kid. No, no one ever going to, you're not going to be a wrestler. Get out of here. These guys are like six, six, 300 pounds. That'll never happen. But I knew that I wanted to do it. And I knew that I was going to find a way to do it. I didn't know about the independence when I found my trainers, but I was glad I found them because all I ever knew was WWF and WCW and ECW. And I didn't know how to get into those places, but I did research. I did a lot of research on how to do it, but I never found out about the actual independence of wrestling until I did end up getting trained. So yeah, I knew from that moment on, I was like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I said, I might do other jobs or whatever, but I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And my mom would always laugh and, you know, you're charismatic and you have the charisma. You could do anything you want, but that's, those guys are just too big. You'll never be one of those. I proved her wrong. And I remember the first time she went to a show, 
she was scared out of her mind. And she only cheered when I was on top. And when somebody was beating me up, I would hear, get off my baby. And I was just so embarrassed, but at the same time, so happy because she was there. So, yeah, I knew then. I knew right then and there at that match when I watched those two go at it. I was like, yep, I'm going to do that one day. So you started your entering career in 2007. Now, how did you find the guys that trained you? Shane Hills was one of your trainers, right? Yeah, Shane Hills was one of my trainers, where Swaggle was too. Swaggle was this little guy that was always in this nightclub, and I was always at this nightclub because I had a dance crew. I used to dance a lot. If you can't tell from the 80s baby thing. Um, and he was in there, and I got to talking to him a lot. At the time, I was doing what a lot of people shouldn't do. I was doing backyard wrestling. And he had known of it, and he knew of the places that it was going on because he had, in fact, done that. And I'm sure he's disclosed that plenty of times in his book. But uh, we knew certain people, same people, joked around a lot in the club. But I never knew at that point that he was a wrestler until after he started showing up at some of those backyard events. One day, we had a, a, an event that wasn't in a yard. It was actually where the place I was in was trying to become an independent fed. That's how I started finding out about the Indies. And we were in a building and these guys walk up to me, uh, smoking Don Gotti and Eric Lieb. And they say, Dylan said, that's enough of this. You need to come and get paid and you need to get paid for what you do because you're talented and you could probably do something in this business. And the rest is history, man. I stopped wrestling in the backyards that day, and I went to an NWA Wisconsin training with Swaggle, and then I started training with him in Shane Hills, and I want to say Mike Mercury was around a little bit too, and a place in Hobart, Wisconsin. No, not Hobart. Howard? I think it was in Howard, actually. Howard in a little, like, shack. A little shack with a, a, a really big heater, the heater that we use right now for my camp. It, it, it spanned from there, man. Uh, Dylan started showing me the right things to do. Then he had, you know, got called off the WWE. And then Shane continued training me. De Niro came in and trained me. Nick Colucci, Jerry Styles, God rest his soul. I had a lot of trainers. I got a lot of different training from a lot of different people. Matt Winchester was one of those guys. You know, eventually Angel Armani with my finishing training when it comes to like selling and things like that. I had a lot of good training and a lot of good coaches. And even on the road, Dylan was still talking to me and was like encouraging me to do this and do that and do this in training to get better. And then all of a sudden it was time to debut. I debuted against Justin Dredd in Reedsville, Wisconsin. And I was Thomas Walton III, the towel boy. So, yeah, I've come a long way, man. <laughs> yeah, obviously that character has kind of evolved and changed a little bit here and there over the years. Yeah. I first saw you as part of a Frontline Pro show when they ventured into Oakland, Illinois in July 2019. And from what I've seen of you over the last few years, you seem to have some influence from various wrestlers, like Kofi Kingston comes to mind, even Coco Beware comes to mind as well. So mm -hmm. anyone else that inspired you for your style? So obviously Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, all the Lucha guys, the Hooventudes, the Psychosis, all those guys were a big influence to me when it came to my style because I was a high flyer as a little guy. But I, it's funny, people won't see it, but like The Undertaker was a big influence to me because that was always my favorite wrestler. And basically with The Undertaker, I just wanted to be as stone cold as he was as far as like a character goes. And I want to make my character exactly what it was supposed to be. And as a dreadlock dynamo at the time, that's what I was trying to do. Everything except the Jamaican accent, because I just couldn't pull that off. 
But yeah, a lot of those guys inspired me, man. And uh, Kofi, it's funny. Everybody always mentions Kofi, but the thing is, I've been wrestling longer than Kofi. So yeah. was I an inspiration to Kofi? I wonder that sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, Coco Beware was a really big one, though, man. Like I loved Coco. Watching him and Owen Hart when they were doing high energy, yeah. like that's my thing, bro. And like if you seen some of my gear that I had that was yes. tailored to that high energy that and a lot of my stuff still has like the uh checkered the, the checkered somewhere on my gear yep. because Owen Hart and, and Coco Beware together were great. Um and like I love that whole high energy thing and that's where I get the, you know my 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 charisma and everything from the 80s baby because I felt like that was just them having fun and that was just them going out there and doing it and that's what I am. That's what the 80s baby is because that's I'm an 80s baby and that's the era I grew up in and that's just me out there having fun. You know what I mean? So you kind of just uh, stole my thunder and answered my next question was what was the 80s baby represent that you just described it? Oh, yeah, it, it's me. <laughs> People go, oh, man, it's such a great character. And I'm like, it's not a character. It's me. Like one I was told once upon a time from a really wise man that. In order for people to believe in you, you have to believe in yourself. And in order to have some type of character or some type of gimmick to what you're doing, you have to believe in it. And the 80s baby, out of all the things that I've done in wrestling, is the only thing I believe in because it's really just me. It's me turned up to a thousand because I'm really that happy-go-lucky guy. You know what I mean? I like to dance in clubs. I like to sing. I like to mess around and do things like that. You know what I mean? And joke around with people. Like, that's just me. So this just works for me because it's me. And it just was all on the audience to see, like, hey, this guy's fun. We should keep watching him. I always say to people that Marche Rocket has seemingly worked for nearly every promotion in and around the Chicagoland area. And You've seemed to have worked for almost every promotion in Wisconsin. It was just how many different places you've worked is pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't think there's a place that I haven't worked in Wisconsin, except for maybe a few that have sprung up in the last couple of years. And even then, those people have booked me. I just haven't been able to get there because I'm just busy. Wisconsin was always my hotbed. I've gone a lot of different places, a lot of different states, even out of country to Canada, you know, in Canada. But like, Wisconsin was just always there because that was the only place I really could with my, with my life and with my child and everything like that. It was the only place I really could go and continue to try and grow in different places without having to spend too much to, to make more, you know what I mean? So I stayed in Wisconsin a lot. I wish I had left sooner. I wish I was able to put on more weight sooner. I wish I could have came to OVW sooner. But at the same time, I'm happy with the progress that I'm at right now. And speaking of Wisconsin, your formative years were in Kenosha. And coming up on Friday night, March the 8th, SSW presents Horsepower 2, a fundraiser for Mahone Middle School in Kenosha. Doors at 6.30, bell time at 7.30. You, TW3, the 80s, baby, will compete in one of the biggest matches of your career as you challenge the ice pick. Vic Capri for the SSW Unified Championship. And as far as I know, going through some research and records and stuff like that, this is the first time you're wrestling Vic one-on-one? -on -one? This is the very first time. People have tried to have this happen. People have tried to make this happen. 
kudos to Ryan Cross for making it happen in SNS and SSW because this is a match and I know it's getting a lot of buzz right now because I was just told that and people have been talking to me about it and in my inbox. It's a match everybody wants to see because it says our styles are kind of similar. A lot of our striking and you know what I mean? And I love Vic. I really do. Vic's a great guy. And I look up to a guy like Vic because he's been around a very long time and he's still doing it. He's still killing it. But this is a match where I have to be able to prove to myself that I can hang with a guy like Vic. And I'm not saying that I don't think I can already, but I need to make sure that I can. And I need to know that I can, because in order for me to continue going forward other places, I got to I got to hang with Vic. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to beat him. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to leave it all out there. But the goal is to beat Vic. The goal is to become the SSW heavyweight champion, especially in my hometown, in front of my family, my friends, my church friends, like all the people from the church are going to come again. I, I, I'm i going out there that night, and this is going to be the match, the match of my career so far. And like Vic better just bring it like he always does. Because if he has one slip up, I'm going to hit him with a rewind, and it's one, two, three, and new. That's going to be an awesome match. I cannot wait to see it. And also on this show, Horsepower 2, we have former WWE superstar Kevin Thorne taking on Jay DeNiro. Freak show thriller Salem Crane takes on Marche Rocket. Obviously, Marche has a pedigree a mile long. He's competed the NWA, TNA, and, and many other places. The four-way match for the SSW-SNS Women's Championship Features last week's Windy City Slam podcast guest Brooke Tanner defending against Sophia Rose, a.k.a. Harley Jane, Big Al, Alice Crowley, and Shelly, the bombshell Benson. Plus, we have AEW star Sky Blue, former WWE superstar Enzo, a.k.a. Enzo Amore, the punk rock prince Jordan Cross, also from Kenosha, Ryan Cross, a.k.a. Mr. Joe, Dr. Jeff Luxon, Dave Rydell, CBS 58 Milwaukee's Iron Mike Kirkhoff, and Vice Grip Mike Gonzalez. Going to be a hell of a show. So what is it like to be part of a show that gives back to kids and the community? It's great, man. I mean, the first one that we did in Kenosha, I mean, if you weren't there, you missed out. There were so many people and so many kids and coming there to, you know, cheer on cross, you know, and cheer on me and, and just come out there to see some wrestling, something that Kenosha gets to see, but it's not as often because SSW doesn't have shows, you know, very, very often. And so when you get to be in a place like that, and for me, it's very special because Mary Lou Mahome was like a godmother to me. That's who it's named after the school is. And I went to church with her and she gave me a lot of guidance growing up. So for me, it's really special to be there. But man, it's the atmosphere of that crowd is like being in another Davis Arena. That's exactly what it felt like that night. It's huge. It's great. The energy matches like a blizzard brawl. You know what I mean? Those are some big shows that you have in in Kenosha and that Milwaukee area. When you have an atmosphere like that and a crowd like that, that really just is hungry to see some action, man, it's it's like nothing else. Yeah, once again, it will be TW3 against Vic Capri for the Unified SSW Championship at Horsepower 2, Friday night, March the 8th, 6.30 doors, 7.30 bell. Tickets start at $10 and can be purchased right now at snssupershow.com. So before we let you go, TW3, who has been your favorite opponent in your career and who would be a bucket list opponent 
for you that you have not yet wrestled? Favorite opponent in my career. I mean, hands down, it's been Joey Jet Avalon. Like, who doesn't like Joey? You know, like, let's just be real. Joey's top five in the Midwest right now. And he's still killing it. And he's going to continue to kill it because I don't see any stopping Joey, just like I don't see any stopping me. And whenever we're in the ring, we make magic together. And it's always been that way. So hands down, it's been Joey Jet Avalon. Bucket list for me, Chris Bay, Myron Reed, Trey Lamar, Trey Miguel, Zach Wentz, probably Dante and, and Darius. Mm. Um, I wrestled Darius when he was under his old persona, Airwolf, but I want to wrestle them now. I want to wrestle both of them now. Those are big bucket lists. And, and two of the biggest ones for me, Jay Lethal and Swerve. Yes. I've been asking people for years to book me and Jay Lethal. I've been asking people for years before Swerve was at AEW, before he went to WWE, to book me and Swerve. Why? Because it'll draw money. And two, you're going to get a hell of a match. Because as good as some of those guys are, I'm just as good. I just haven't been seen yet on the right platform. Those are my two biggest ones. Jay Lethal and Swerve. So if somebody's out there watching this right now, book it. You won't be disappointed. And you're going to get your money's worth. I think he can hang with Swerve, and Swerve is doing some of the best work of his career right now. He really is, man. He really is. Yeah. He really is. Absolutely. All right, T-Dub, go ahead and promote your social media, whatever merchandise you might have, and upcoming events. We got OVW, obviously. Check, check out Wrestlers on Netflix. Uh, keep it going. Still trying to get that season two, so we're pushing for that. What else we got going on here? Dave Hero's got a show coming up. This Saturday, make sure you go to that GLCW. Uh, is going to be in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Yep. See all the stars. I think there's a uh, Harley. I can't remember her name. Harley. Harley Cameron from AEW. Harley Cameron, Rebel. Mm -hmm. I think was another one that's going to be there. There's going to yep. be a bunch of people that that show. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, I have so much in my head, but uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram. It's the underscore official underscore TW3. The is basically the, but that's how you say it, the, because people get confused and they put T-H-E-E, -E, but <laughs> the underscore official underscore TW3 on Instagram, the same on Twitter and the same, well, X, and the same on, on uh, what's that new one? Threads. Everybody loves TikTok. Oh, TikTok. So TikTok, guys. I'm barely on TikTok, though. So if you really want to talk to me, you want to catch me, you want to know where I'm at and all those things, Instagram. That's the best way to find me. We'll also see you at SSW on March 8th. Yep, and you'll also see me on March 8th at SSW. I got merch out everywhere, man, but I make my own a lot. So, And then OVW shop, you can go there and you can find my merchandise, too. OVWrestling.com and then OVW shop. You can go there, you can find that stuff, too. So... And then when's the next hybrid wrestling entertainment show? The next hybrid wrestling entertainment show is a joint venture with the Pulaski Band Boosters. It's going to be March 22nd, featuring the NWA's World's Heavyweight Champion, EC3. Um, it's going to be for a good cause. It's in Pulaski, Wisconsin at uh, Scully's, it's called. It is the old ballroom there in Pulaski. Doors will open at 7 or doors open at 630 Show starts at 7. Uh, there'll be a bunch of gift baskets and all sorts of things you can win, raffles. 
And I mean, honestly, it's for a good cause. It's a benefit show to help the band boosters. The Pulaski band this year, they were at the Tournament of Roses uh, for the parade, and they're trying to go back again. So it's just a good cause, and I encourage everyone to come out because you're going to get a good, you're going to good night of wrestling as well. So, and then after that, April 26th will be the next Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment show, and that's going to be in Green Bay as well. Tita, thank you very much for coming on, and we will see you on March the 8th at Mahone Middle School in Kenosha. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me. Awesome conversation with the 80s baby, TW3. Looking forward to seeing him and Vic Capri go one-on-one at SSW's Horsepower 2 on Friday night, May the 8th, at the Mahone Middle School up in Kenosha. And that's going to be a terrific event. You're going to hear a whole lot more on Windy City Slam about that event as it gets even closer. All right, next week we're going to recap AAW Legacy and WWE Elimination Chamber. Plus, we're going to preview Trouble is Brewing, a brainchild of Warrior Wrestling, Pow Entertainment, and Rocket Pro Wrestling, Plus, we welcome back someone very special to us here at Windy City Slam. She's an NWA star, the current second wrestling champion, and she's ready to embark on a busy journey in March and April, where she'll be traveling to Philadelphia for WrestleMania week. Chicago sweetheart, Miss Kate. You can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody.